In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Hi, all. Nicole here. This podcast is intended to inspire you on your personal spiritual journey to inner peace. I am not a psychologist or a medical doctor and do not offer any professional health or medical advice. This applies to the podcast guests and or co-hosts. If you are suffering from a psychological or medical condition, please seek help from a qualified health professional. You are listening to A Psychic Story a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Mysticism. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Psychic Story. This is part two of a two-part episode with The Common Mystics. If you missed the first episode, you may want to go back to catch up. How many different ways am I hearing spirit? right? It's not this one way. They're always, it's it's a song in your head. It's a voice outside your ear. There's so many different ways that I can hear spirit. And if someone's like, wait, that's it? I had a reading with someone when they're like, wait, that's what it is? I'm like, yes, that's what it is. And she's like, oh, well, hell. And I'm like, I know you've been doing this the whole time. And that's really exciting when they get the, the, like, the lights turned on and been like, yes, you're doing it. I do want to share. It's been on hold. I haven't recorded it. I have all the points, but Spirit was showing me that they wanted me to explain that our intuition is almost like a ball of thread of multicolored threads. And it's all entwined, but they're also separate. And so when you are in the process of receiving information and or using your intuition to guide you or to tune into it, it may be like you were saying, Jill, maybe it's you get a visual in your mind and you just think, okay, I imagine that or I got a visual in my mind. But then when you tune into that visual, maybe you have a feeling, you have some sort of feeling that just gets stronger and stronger and it gives you confirmation about something and it's a build upon. So it's almost like you can pull the threads individually, but they're also connected. Connected. And so it doesn't have to be one thing specifically or one after the other. That's how it works. Just like I breathe, I see, I taste, I hear, I smell. They're all my senses on at the same time. I may not be tasting and eating at the same time, but I'm also hearing. I can have a conversation with you guys. That's how it works. And it's what you're paying attention to. You may not be eating something, but you do have a taste in your mouth. And stopping and be like, what taste do I have? Is It's always there. It's just, what are you focusing on? Absolutely. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I do want to finally get to your book. (laughs) So you wrote a book. I said the long title in the beginning. Can you guys repeat it for me so that I don't get it wrong again? Common Mystics present Ghosts on the Road, Volume 1, Murders and Mysterious Deaths. 
Okay. Well, we talked a little bit before about what got you there. What has the process been like? And then tell us about the book. We used our transcripts and we rewrote them, but we wanted it to be more than just another interpretation of our stories that we present on the podcast. We wanted to be really thoughtful, not only about the experience that we had, but how those experiences changed us, what they meant to us and what we gained from the experience. But Also, in a practical way, we want people to visit these places. So if you go, you know, stop by the restaurant, go to this place like this was cool as hell. Stop there. Feel your vibes, like get your psychic on. So that was a lot of it. It's like a road trip guide a little bit. So if you want to say like, go here to this hotel, go to this restaurant, go to this spot, if you want. It's a lot of cemeteries, Nicole, a lot of cemeteries and fast food. I love an old cemetery. There's one in Atlanta. I'm blanking on the name, but it's, uh, it, uh, you know, cemeteries way back in the day, they were meant to be parks. They were meant to be entertainment and beautiful experiences that people could go and have picnics and all of that. You, They weren't meant to be dire and sad and everything. And so there's so many that they are actual attractions or should be. There's one in Atlanta that like people get married there. What? That would be amazing. <laughs> For me, I would be too crossed. Like, you know what I mean? I would be honoring the dead and my husband. Like, it would just be too weird. But I would love to just... I We hang out in cemeteries a lot. So even saying that, you need to go to Graceland Cemetery in Chicago. Okay. we're. I know we have to do the research. We just went there for, for our podcast, but that's a beautiful, great cemetery. It is. It's wonderful. Jen, tell Nicole more about the book. Her book, like we were saying, is a, a retelling of 10 of our some of our favorite stories that we've talked about on the podcast. And the stories come from states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Kansas, Mississippi, Kentucky, Utah, South Carolina, and Georgia. And when we retell them, we're taking out a lot of the banter and the the tangents that you have naturally when you're having a conversation because we wanted to have the story and the narrative be really tight, you know? So we take out some of our personality, but that was on purpose because we wanted to stand alone. And whether or not you like us or our podcast is, you know, beside the point, we want this to be a book of stories about people in their historical context that are reaching out from the grave for a specific purpose. And I'm really proud, and Jill and I have talked about this a little bit before, I'm really proud that it's it's not just one note, because sometimes the voiceless that come through are the downtrodden, right? The enslaved woman who, you know, has been forgotten and needs a voice. Sometimes it's the unsung heroes from history, people who did incredibly brave, heroic things, and nobody knows their name or very few people know their name. Like It was lost because it wasn't written down. Right. Or it's written down, but it wasn't publicized for whatever reason. Like there's a man named Print Matthews who was killed at the ballot box in 1883 for casting a vote. No joke. Sometimes they are people who are coming through who feel they were misunderstood. Usually Jill and I don't like these voices, but they're coming through and they want to clear some facts up. They want to be heard like Otis from Milwaukee, who was murdered at Devil's Lake, Wisconsin. He he has a problem with his his image. And also Samuel Wolfman Mason. I don't think I heard that one. He was a a criminal gang leader on the Natchez Trace at the turn of the 19th century. 
I love this story because he was coming through wanting us to say a specific narrative. And Jen and I was like, like, first of all, we already don't like you. So that's the number one. And number two, we have our own take on what you are experiencing and what we feel. Because we have other people telling us to other souls that are showing us, not just you. And sometimes it's a well-known event like the 1909 Axe murders of Savannah, Georgia. It's a well-known event, but there are certain facts that haven't been brought to light. So sometimes it's it's that too. So it's really a, a smattering of, of different types of souls and voices that are coming through. And of course, different places around the country. Yeah, we kind of skirted over that, but we did talk about it the first time when you were on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about The Voiceless. So the whole premise of your podcast and then the stories that you chose to pull forward in the book are about giving a voice to the voiceless. So a little bit more for people who might not be familiar and want to go back and listen, if you can share that. So at first, Jen and I, for fun, with our mom growing up, we would just get in the car and go to an old cemetery and we would feel our vibes and talk to each other and our mom about what it was we were experiencing. And we would validate the different impressions we were getting from the area. Fast forward to the pandemic, and then there was like, that's all Jennifer and I did. We would get in the car when we were spending sister time together. And so we were walking around this little creepy town in Illinois, and we, in real time, pulled out our cell phones because it was just so much information. And it was so heavy and thick with what we were getting that we, in real time, were researching our hits. And Jennifer said, well, this is the podcast. Our first story was outside of where I live, out of Barry County, Michigan. And that first story is the first story, not only of our podcast, but also in the book, where we are picking up on the soul of a young lady who was killed or died under mysterious circumstances. And Jen and I tell the story. But through that process, her name is Gertie. We affectionately call her Gertie. We were giving her voice and we realized that she made our podcast better by doing that extra bit of service. So then from that moment on, our intention was always to find a verifiable story that was previously unknown to us that gives voice to the voiceless. It's like giving them a microphone. Mm-hmm. And people all over the world now know about Gertie. We have people in Australia. We have people in England, India, who contact us and talk to us about Gertie. So it just makes me so happy. I get goosebumps thinking about her. She's like our patron. I see some retreats now in the future anyway. Another story for another day. I already called the book and now I'm saying retreats. Okay. All right. But before we get to that, all right. So just tell me, I know you said 10. You pulled the 10. So Jill, what is your favorite out of those 10? And then Jen, what is your favorite? Take a little bit of time to explain both. My favorite, all-time favorite, not only of the book, but of the podcast was Ridgeway, South Carolina. We had an experience that was so outside of Jennifer and, and mine's perception of how spirit works. We were called to a little town called Ridgeway, and we were walking around and prelude to the events felt like time was kind of headed in a different direction than linearly, which is very weird because I'm not that person. I am not the time warpy, like portal person. That's not me. And as a matter of fact, if this did not happen to me, if it only happened to Jennifer, I would not believe her. I'd be like, sweet girl, she's losing her mind. Literally. But it felt like Jen and I were in this, this little antique shop and I felt like I was being pulled, kind of comforting, being kind of like ushered into like a warm, 
blanket of comfort and being lured there by familiar things from my childhood. And I felt as if in those moments that I was slipping away and I didn't know what was happening. So I immediately was like, I need an adult. I need to go find Jennifer because we're usually separate from each other when we're picking up our psychic kids. So I, I go to the other end of the store and Jennifer's there and she's turning around as I am and I'm towering over her. And I'm like, Jennifer, Jennifer, I think I'm in a time warp. I think I'm slipping away. And she says to me, the exact same thing. I was just going to find you because I feel like I'm in a time warp. That's so crazy. I just got chills. It was really something. And it's that experience, our story happened to be someone, founder of the town's sister, who was buried in a cemetery that we were walking around later that day. Her offspring had committed a murder 60 years later in a different state. And so our hits of being being that we were going out of a different time and a different place. And the hits that we were getting led us to the story of this horrible murder in the 1950s in Texas. And my understanding of our impact about what our lives mean completely changed because I always felt like my energy and what I do in this life was just going to matter to what's happening after us. But in a matter of fact, this this woman, Nancy, she was very clear about her offsprings and what happened from the people that she left behind. It was very interesting. Explain a little bit about that. You know, I'll also link to that episode, but when you say the future or like present and then future, I think it also impacts, especially when you were having the time warp, because again, time isn't linear. Time technically doesn't exist. I've said that a million times, but what that means is you are having a life. You have another experience that's happening simultaneously. So whatever you do and choose and say in this moment in time impacts, it's a ripple effect across the board. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, 360. Absolutely. Because she was impacted in spirit by someone who lived 60 years later that committed a horrible crime that was of her family. Was de- it was a direct descendant of hers. And she was angry about it. And she was bringing it to light. And it was a terrible, terrible atrocity. And I can see why she would be angry. And I would see, especially because this town, Ridgeway, South Carolina, lovely. The people, lovely. Just just an amazing little place. And she's like, you're from here. You like you come from good people. You like the choices that you made are hideous. And just she was really kind of wagging her finger and bringing attention that that like their family is not okay with this. And she's ashamed, really, truly. And I felt and it helped heal her. It did help heal her. It really did. And I felt I not only did it give voice to the victims of the crime, but it also gave voice to Nancy, the woman that we that initiated this time warp for us and kind of led us in this direction. She was she was giving us a clear indicator. Not only does your behavior matter moving forward, it also matters behind you. The people that you have been lifted up on, the shoulders in which you are standing on are affected by the choices you make. That's that ancestral lineage. Absolutely. Always. Mm -hmm. Which brings us back to all of the ancestor work that Jill has been doing in our own family and all of the, specifically the the males in our family, in, in, in our father's line and learning about them and visiting them and and coming through this Ridgeway experience, we realize that we are healing our ancestors in a way that we didn't realize we were before this experience. So it just really changed us and 
it, it was an incredible experience. So I can see why that's your favorite. That's so neat. Well, real quick, I did want to say real, before we moved on to Jen, when you were experiencing the time warp, I know you talked about it a little, little bit, but what was it fully? Like, were you seeing different things? Were you just feeling the energy? What was it like? When I was in the antique store separate from Jill, what I was feeling is I was hearing the music, but it, it felt altered. The music felt, it sounded, I should say, it sounded like it was coming to me through a tube and that it was, instead of being on a speaker, it was on a turntable. I could hear the crackling of a record and it was, it was through a tube. It, it sounded like it was through a tube or a tunnel and it was also Elvis. Elvis is significant because it's one of the signs of that our mother is with us. When Elvis randomly shows up somewhere, it's it's often a sign that mom is with us. So it was Elvis and it was going just a little too slowly. You know what I mean? Like, like it was like, Ooh. yeah, a little too slowly. And I felt like, so that's what I was hearing. My body felt like it was moving not through air, but that the air was thickening, like it was all almost a, a gelatin. And I went to to touch something and I told myself, don't pick it up because I don't know if my hand is going to work right now to, and I don't want to drop anything. So my my body felt off and I felt like it was, the energy was so thick as it was difficult to move. That's what I was experiencing. Jill? Being so familiar with Elvis and just how comforting Elvis is. That's what I mean by it was like I could slip into this comfortable memory. It felt like that. I felt like I was in a sensory deprivation chamber. Like I felt deprived of oxygen. I was just a little off. I was holding a clown figurine and I was looking at it and realized that it felt like it was difficult to put it back down. Like some simple tasks felt very difficult to me. And again, the Elvis playing just a little slowly and the turntable sounds, the texturized sounds just made me feel like I could just slip into the memory of my childhood and I can just be in the living room of my childhood home. And that's, and it felt, but I was like, that's, why am I feeling this now? What is that? And that's what scared me. Like, why am I being slipped? Like that feeling of like, I can just get lost in my mind. And that's what scared me. Later on that day, after Jen and I left, again, we were noticing that the time was just a little, it was almost like the gears of the bike just weren't latching right. If you ever ridden a bike and you can just hear it like skipping, that's how it felt. Like even though we were experiencing in real time things around us, there was just this level of like something wasn't, it's like watching a video where the the audio and the visuals aren't lining up. So you can like see the mouth moving and then the, like hear the noise. That's how it felt. That's how it felt to me. Jen, what were you experiencing? Well, and then afterwards, when we went to lunch, just across the street on that main street, we were sitting there in the diner. And again, it just felt like it was off. And what I mean by that is we were sitting there feeling like we were part of a different time. And my in my mind's eye, I could see a veil that I could see through. And on the other side of the veil was a whole different scene of people in the 1950s. And I remember a girl bopping from table to table in like a, a poodle type skirt. And 
it it just that feeling of the 1950s just stayed with us. And and what we didn't mention is <laughs> beforehand we we had an experience where we stopped at this little museum slash renovated home. And we, and that's the reason that we actually got to Ridgeway because the, the original place that we stopped was not Ridgeway, Blythewood, South Carolina. We stopped there and went around the back and we were looking at some of the, the historical structures that they had behind the actual museum. And this lady came out and she said, you know, can I help you? And we said, oh, is it okay if we look around back here? She said, absolutely. And just come on in if you have any questions. So nice. So we we ended up going through the back door of the place, which was like the old kitchen. So we walk in the back door through the kitchen and we we looked around a little bit and she asked us where we were from and we told her and and she said, oh, you need to go to Ridgeway. It's right down the street. If you're interested in history of the area, you have to go there. And the way she was talking to us, it felt to me like one of those old fantasy games where you meet someone who is like a guide. And I mean, I don't play video games today. I imagine they still have those guides that give you just enough information to get to the next portion of your journey. And so we said, okay, well, that sounds nice. And she said, oh, but you're not going to be able to go to a lot of the shops because they're closed on Monday. I thought that was weird because I thought it was Tuesday, but whatever. She said, you're not going to be able to go because it's closed on Monday. Well, as we're having that conversation, another lady walks in the front door from the street. And, and the other lady introduces her and says, Oh, she's, she knows so much about the history of the town. She's been donating her time or, you know, she was, she's been a docent here for years. She can answer any questions. And the lady said, Oh, you'd both need to go down to Ridgeway. And we're like, well, we here, we just might do that. And then she said, Oh, but it's Monday. So a lot of the cutest little shops are going to be closed. So at that point, we're like, wait a minute. Is it Monday or is it Tuesday? When we finally left, we got into the car. The first thing we both did was check our phones. We didn't want to be argumentative in the moment with these nice ladies, but it was indeed Tuesday. It wasn't Monday like they had said. So that set us on our way to Ridgeway with the understanding that time was a little off. It reminds me a little bit about the, have you guys heard of the Moberly Jourdain incident in Versailles? So you can look it up later. Yeah, so I'm going to do an episode on this on Supernatural Matters. But it was two women, Elizabeth Morrison and Frances Lamont, and they go to Petit Trinon, which is the sh- a chateau on the grounds of the Palace of Versailles. And they claimed they literally walked through. There was a time slip and they walked through and they experienced everything like Marie Antoinette would have. Like people, They thought that they were entering a recreation, but it wasn't actually a recreation. And then they ended up you know, having this time slip. We did research for one of our Patreons about, I didn't know what it was called, but yes, it's crazy the possibilities. Now that you know that that's a thing, like another thing to look out for, my clumsy ass just, where am I now? (laughs) Well, yeah, now you got to be careful because like you said, intentions are so important and you're going into these situations. And now that you've experienced one, I'm sure you're probably going to experience others. So then Jen, what is your favorite? My favorite story is the one that I mentioned earlier the 1909 axe murders of Savannah. That one is about, there was an an elderly woman and her name was Eliza Gribble and she lived in a house in Savannah with her daughter, Carrie. And Eliza and Carrie had just rented a room to a woman named Maggie Hunter. And Maggie had just left her husband and she had a lover and she had a husband. It was actually, she had just rented the room the day before the murders occurred. 
And then that December morning, 1909, all three women were discovered having been murdered by an axe. I I did listen to this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, terrible tragedy. And it's well known in Savannah. In fact, there are some local establishments that hype up that gruesome factor, you know, to get people interested. And and people are interested in, in that sort of thing. But the police did link the murderer to Maggie, the renter, who was uh, Maggie Hunter, who was renting a room at Eliza's house. And, you know, the, the murderer being motivated by this love triangle that she had created. And investigators just assumed that Eliza and Carrie were also both murdered because they just happened to be home, that they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the murderer came in and had intent to to hurt Maggie, to kill Maggie. And when the other two women were home, he, he killed them too before fleeing. Well, what we believed and what we were hearing from Spirit was there was a motive and Eliza and Carrie were specifically targeted by this murderer because we found that they were well known, or at least Eliza was well known in the community for helping women leave their marriages. She had established a safe house for women and children. And so they were targeted and no one over the years has ever asked that question. Why were Eliza and Carrie murdered? In a very brutal way. It wasn't just like they were hit over the head and then left. It was it was a it was a crime of passion. They were axed. Yes. Yes. No one had ever asked that. And after all of these years, I'm so proud that they came to us. And that we are able to say, no, 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 no. They weren't just at the wrong place at the wrong time. They weren't, it wasn't just that they were home. It was that they were an accessory to what the murderer deemed a crime that his wife would have left. Like a safe haven, protection. Yes. So I'm just so proud to be able to give them voice and, and proud that we're really the first, first people, the first investigators to ever to ever ask that question and to give them a voice. That's amazing. Now, your book says volume one. <laughs> so how many volumes are there? As many as Melissa will let us keep making <laughs> until she's like, no more girls. This has been fun. <laughs> well, I feel like that that's going to be a lot coming, especially how many stories you guys have. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're open, Spirit. We're open. As long as Spirit provides the funds and the space for us to keep doing this, we will keep doing this. That's amazing. But yeah, there's no there's no limit right now on how many volumes we'll be able to do. So you had, though, the mysterious deaths, murders and mysterious deaths. So what are some of the other kind of things? Are you just not sure yet? You're waiting to put those together. Well, that's just the volume one title. So our first volume is of the murders and mysterious deaths. So volume two may be something around like the historical figures, right? Been, I mean, it really depends on what our body of work will be in the future when we're planning volume two, but we'll be looking at different time periods. Like we have a lot of stories around the Civil War. So it might be Civil War stories. It might be women's stories. We've had a number of accidents come through. So maybe it'll be accidents. We have some stories that are specific to certain insidious crimes. So we might have a, a, a group of stories about insidious crime. So we're not really sure yet. We'll 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 just follow spirit and could also be regional. Yes, absolutely. 
So you have many Good options. Idea, Nicole. Yeah, well, I'll take credit for that later. Just like I take credit for the book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I really think you did. Say whatever you say, I want to record. I'd be like, Lord, listen to Nicole. Manifesting at the best. Wish me thin. Wish me thin right now. You got a thin, you got abundance, you got all the things coming towards you. All right. So what are other projects are you working on? We talked a little bit. I mean, we said, what was it? The retreats? So are you guys going to be doing that? And I did not know this, guys. I just I just said it because it came through. That's been something. We've been talking about this for over a year now. We, we have a location in the Midwest that we're looking at. We want to actually bring people together. And it, it just so happens that this, this Patreon tier four group is a group of people who are really invested in this mentorship that we're providing, but they also are invested in helping us move forward and, and really having a workshop. And it feels like we are attracting the people we are going to need to do that. Just naturally, they are coming to us and saying, I have this gift. Can, how can I share it? You know, so it seems to be coming together organically. And we're looking at maybe next summer and having it. And we go back and forth. Is it going to be like a workshop or a conference or a retreat or kind of maybe all three morphed into one? I want a mystic ball, at least a reception event that there's a mystic ball that we can just hang out and enjoy each other's company and maybe have like a masquerade, like you know, getting dressed up like different mystical figure. Oh, it will be so much fun. At least one day. But before then, Jen and I want to bring people out on the road with us, just like a little pilot program so we can have people experience what it is that we're experiencing. Like on a bus? Right now, we're just thinking three people in my backseat. <laughs> three people that identify as open to being psychic, that had experiences, but are not sure about how to focus their awareness or how to activate those experiences and then translate them. So like we are going to have people with us to say, hey, this is how it is, whatever you're thinking. A lot of times there will be instances where Jennifer and I are getting into an argument in the car and that's pertinent to the story. So it's like everything that's coming up. Yeah. One of the things that people always say is we want to come with you. We want to be in the car with you. We want to come with you. So I think what we would do is I mean, the process is really boring, you know, to be in the car with us. It really is. So I think what we're thinking is that we would scope out a location first that we both know is energetic, that we would do the research in advance, figure out what happened there. And then we'd bring people there and like, let them go and then bring them back and then tell them like, this is what happened there. Right. So it's a little more neat and tidy. Otherwise, you know, that research piece can be really messy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. For sure. I when I think I said this before, but so the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, Georgia, there was a Titanic exhibit that went through a few years ago, several years ago. My best friend was the director of communications there. Very long story short, they said that the objects were haunted. And so they brought in ghost hunters and adventure. So we had a dinner there, but then afterwards we were able to go through it. I was sick as hell when it happened, but I was like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. I'm going to persevere. No one else in that whole group had any sort of psychic senses. And so my friends were like, what's going on? What's going on? I saw a Native American. I was picking up all this stuff, but I didn't have anyone to verify or validate anything. So it's kind of a lonely process because... I could see and hear things, but no one else was experiencing it. So I think what you guys are talking about where you have that, where you can sort of validate and co confirm that for people would be super exciting and engaging for a variety of different reasons. 
And what else? Anything? So you have the retreats, you have... Well, you know, just recently, as it turns out, one of our listeners gave us this story. He described being in Sault Ste. Marie up in yeah, the northern Michigan, the UP. Yeah, it's it's like Canada and finding finding something in this area. And he he wrote us this long email and it was we get we get a lot of emails. This one was super intriguing because he described how he was called to a certain area and he he felt a spirit and then he didn't think anything about it. And then the spirit came back to him and showed us our podcast. So he reached out to us. Now, I believe he knew of us before this happened, but the spirit told him, reach out to us. So when that happens, Nicole, you got to go. Yes. I've had it both ways. I had it where somebody was texting audio, the voice text, and then my name, she'd never listened to the podcast. She had never looked for my name and my name and my podcast kept popping up. And so then she reached out and I was helping her. So I've had it both ways where then, yes, somebody is familiar with you or your podcast or also where it's totally completely out of the blue. So it's so cool that he reached out to you for that. He did. And we went and we can validate, yes, there is something happening there. That spirit is very active and we think we know what the spirit wants to say. Have you dropped that episode yet? We have not because Jill and I are actually thinking this might be a separate series, Dear Mystics, where people reach out to us with things and then we go to a specific- I love it. You know, yeah, go and and use our spideys to figure out either validate because for him it's going to be super validating. Yeah, you are 100% right. You're like spirit investigators. <laughs> yeah. So we're working on that too. Yeah, there's a lot. But our end goal is to really have this focus, this the common mystics media as a whole and have our different processes and our different projects as our full-time gig so that we can focus and mentor and create things that people seem to have a need for. I support you a hundred percent and let me know whatever you guys need. And I would assume, so you'll let me know when you have all of it you know, the retreats and everything, and I can update the show notes. So your book is now available for pre-order on Kindle now. When are the other purchase I- options going to be available? July 1st, 2023. Awesome. Okay. So I can actually include links then because I was searching before. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, anything else? Selfishly, I just want to say, usually when we brainstorm ideas, we always think of you like either as a participant, as far as like a colleague of ours to help us or to like just to work with you in a collaborative way. Cause I really feel like this is a kind of like a little triangle that. Like for whatever reason, you have wings. Like, are, like you just are able to cultivate the same type of energy that Jen and I do, and what the things that come out of your mouth come to be. Well, no, I I love that. I we were talking about it before when we hit record that when spirit sends you a message and you feel drawn and you know to do it, I truly think it doesn't necessarily come from you know Jen from you from me, it comes from this higher place. And so there's just a sense of purpose. And so it's almost like a little bit of predictive predictiveness or predictions that come to fruition there is that, yes, I appreciate you saying that that comes out of my mouth, but it's also because it's in alignment with your soul's journey, your spiritual journey, and any way I can help, happy to do that. Now, you did mention you're going to kidnap me. So (laughs) we'll return you. So you're going to have to tell me when. Only in the best way, in the best way. 
Okay. Okay. So you'll just tell me, okay, Nicole, show up at this location on this date, or we'll talk about it offline later, but we we do need to brainstorm that. (laughs) We want you to be a full-on mystic with us in the car, giving us spideys so that we can have like a full-on episode with you. What's that car thing where that celebrity would take uh, James Cordon? Oh, uh, carpool karaoke. Yeah. So is it like that? Like, I'm just like a passenger and I'm in the car and you kidnap me kind of thing? Or do you want me to actually? <laughs> you, I'm driving. You Because I get really nauseous if I don't drive. So that I'm always driving. You and Jen... Jen's writing stuff down. You're you're going to be the navigator. You're going to be telling us where to go. We're going to get out of the car. We're going to write down. We're going to validate each other or not. We're going to go where our spideys take us. So that's why you were saying out of Ohio or Georgia. You, Yeah. Right. We want you in an area where you're not so familiar so that you can kind of be dangerous and pick up on all kinds of stuff. Okay. Well, you're just going to have to tell me where and when so that I can get that done. <laughs> so fun. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to share with the listeners? How can people reach you or any any of the good stuff? Yes. But before that, Jill's going to tell our, your listeners where they can reach us and where they can find us. But I just want to thank you, Nicole, very sincerely. I know we joke about you being an angel and you, you know, have, you know, what you say comes true, but you are just a wonderfully genuine, loving, giving person. And all of what you're putting out into the world is all such good, higher power stuff. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I thought I was going to cry, but it, but I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the love genuinely. And I appreciate you saying that. And I'm hoping that I can pay it, continue to pay it forward. That's the thing that we just can support one another. There's a lot of drama in the spiritual community. A lot. A lot of competition. Yes. And there doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. We need to be working together. Genuinely, you're a light. You're, and you are our light. So thank you so much. We really appreciate you in the best way. We don't deserve you. Oh no, you do. I don't deserve you. Okay. Enough of the love. I do want to be on your, sh- I do want to be on your podcast though at some point. Nicole, you could say the word. You can be on as a mystic. You can talk about whatever you want, whatever you need. And we can, to be honest, and I know we can cut it this out, but there, there is a collaborative thing that we can be doing. We need to figure out what that is because I do want to add more to the feeds and to like, what can we do? And we have so many. Are you interested in history at all? I love history. That's what, what, that's how I found you guys. I remember finding you and I was like, I, you were my first podcast on. Aww. Remember? Cause I said, I love history. I love the psychic and the mystic aspects. I love that you're getting these intuitive hits on. Yes. Could we please do a collaborative episodes about psychics and history? Wouldn't that be fun? Like either like one of us at a time and then you tell us like the person that does the research, kind of like a smart list, but with a psychic and history and then the other two guests who we're talking about and then add in things. We could also do a build on my Supernatural Matters podcast where I talk about the stories. So for everyone that's listening, you know, I send it or hit it at the end of every episode. But I'm like, and for other people who are interested, listen to Supernatural Matters. And I haven't updated it in like two years. But the idea is to talk about stories where I narrate them and I share them. And I ask people, what do you think? Is it supernatural or natural or not at all. And what I've wanted to do is bring on people that then I ask them what they think psychically or intuitively. And then we riff about that and we brainstorm what we actually think the reality is. Yes. Let's do both. So we can do both. Perfect. 
And tell us when you can start traveling for real so we can get together. Okay, cool. All right. So Jill, how can the people reach you? Please check out our website, commonmystics.net. Find us on all our socials at Common Mystics Pod. Email us at commonmystics at gmail.com. Listen in wherever you're hearing your favorite pods. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at a psychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at a psychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychicstory.com when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.